The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage? in your home or business then call water cleanup of florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance with over 60 years of combined experience michael robert and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues 24 hours a day 365 days a year after the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Welcome to a victorious edition of Three Yards Per Carry. It's been a while. It's been exactly three weeks, but we're here again. Our fourth win on the season. I'm afraid Artiago Simon Clancy is here. As always, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN. You get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. And of course, this show is brought to you by Better Edge. Use betteredge.com slash five reasons. You get a $25 sign-up bonus just for signing up. And of course, prize picks. Go to Prize Picks. Use promo code F I V E. You get a one hundred dollar rollover bonus, which means you deposit a hundred dollars, they give you a hundred dollars. You bet it through once, they give it to you. So in essence, they're giving you a free one hundred dollars. Take it. That's promo code F I V E. All right, Simon. Um, I was at, at my house last night, and I had uh, Matt Perdomo over. He's a member on OnlyFans. He's a salesman for Five Reasons Sports. He's a friend of mine. Um, he was my producer in Las Vegas for the, for the draft. And we were, uh, he brought his wife over. Uh, we had a good old time. Uh, my wife, my daughter was there watching the game. My wife gets very animated during the game. Um, kind of borderline embarrassing, to be honest with you. I don't know if you know anybody like that in your life, but she gets very emotional in these games. <laughs> Simon, uh, my daughter's like a, a huge Tua super fan, and she loves Waddle. She loves Tyreek. She loves, you know, the whole makeup of this team. I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing for wins. That was a fun game to win. It was fun to just get the W. I don't know how you experienced it. I don't know what time did you go to bed last night. I, I'm pretty sure you watched the whole thing. Uh, take me through how, how you watched this game and at what time did you go to bed? Uh, I watched it at home, went to bed at 4.58 a.m. Wow. Um, but, you know, that's the that's the price you pay for Dolphin fandom, isn't it? So it's uh, 
That's all good. That's all good. I didn't. I, I'm not sure. I enjoyed it. I thought it felt like something inevitable was going to happen. It felt like uh, you just want to. I just feel like you want to go out on national, like narratives are so difficult to change. Right. And mm-hmm. it's great. If you just go out on national TV and if, if we'd have just played like we did do the first three drives, do you know what I mean? And just kept like driving down the field, scoring, even if we're just kicking field goals, the occasion to and just like run up a score, you, the whole narrative, national narrative that tour just changes completely. Because that's, you know, that's all people ever get to see, really, apart from red zone. People, you know, the red zoneification of the NFL, we've talked about this on this podcast before, but the red zoneification of the NFL helps set narratives, right? Because oftentimes people only see touchdowns or they see mistakes, you know. So if you're seeing turnovers and stuff you, you, and you don't sit and watch games and lots of people don't sit and watch games anymore, the only time you'll see the Dolphins is on national TV, right? Is in a primetime game. And if they don't play primetime games very often, which we haven't done, you don't really get to see them a lot. So your narrative is just is just made up by what you see on red zone. And, you know, if we haven't played very well, and certainly in those first couple of years, you know, Tua had his ups and his downs. So I think that helped set the narrative. And he just wanted last night just to go out and just absolutely rip it up like he did in the first three drives. Um, but credit to the Steelers, I thought they did a brilliant job of just changing things up defensively, took away the middle of the field. I thought Mike McDaniel had his worst night as a coach, actually, as the Dolphins coach. Mm-hmm. First three drives were amazing, but I just thought he got, I just thought he went away from loads of the sorts of things that we did really well. The little jet outs, the little, there were no kind of jet sweeps. There was none of that, you know, none of that middle of the field crosser action. Um, you know, where we saw, you go back to the preseason game against Philadelphia, you know, you had the big down the field bomb on the first play that Tyreek, and then he comes back to Tyreek on the crosser on the second, that hits the river for the touchdown on the third throw. There were none of those crossers. Um, and I just felt like, he, I, I just don't think he called a very good game. I don't think too, uh, I think the rust really started to show, but I just think as well with McDaniel, it was just a bit like it was an amalgamation of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I love his risky play calls at times, but to, to run inside zone, to chase it to your backup running back twice on third and fourth down seemed nonsensical to me in a, in a low scoring game. It's a rookie quarterback, a team that's, you know, I mean, he'd put Kelly Pickett put together two drives out of seven where they'd moved the ball at all. The rest had just been like three and out punts essentially. To, to not go up nine points in a game like that just seemed inexplicable to me. It just seemed so stupid, just outthinking yourself. I mean, that was a Brandon Staley-esque call, I, I, I thought. And that was really just not a smart thing to do. And I think he kind of got bailed out at the end by the two, by, by Holland and by Igbenogane. So I just didn't... Uh, and also the time, like to allow all that time to run down before the half, I just thought was like inexplicable to to not call a timeout. So that clock tick way down from like 53 to 23 before they even got a playoff. Just like, what are you doing, Mike? What's what's happening here? So I, I just felt like he got out coached last night and um I thought Josh Boyer had an amazing night. Um and we'll get into it in a bit. But yeah, I um I, I watched it obviously. I mean, I don't think I've ever missed a um I don't think I actually I've ever missed a Dolphins game in prime time, either on the radio or TV, because we didn't always get the games on TV back in the eighties, but but I'd listen to them on the radio. But but yeah, so I mean I'm kind of used to the five AMs, the four thirties, whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, on that call, let's just, might as well just start right there because we got a lot we got a lot to talk about in this about this game. Um, like I said, I would not apologize for a win. They needed the win desperately, and and that it came the way that it came. That's fine. Nobody will remember this in in two weeks. I agree with you about the narrative things, but but judging by the goldfish n- nature of the NFL fan, like I woke up. Uh, well, no, I didn't wake up. I went to bed yesterday thinking that. 
if all we knew about the NFL was these past few weeks, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are absolute garbage and should retire immediately. And the Jets and the Giants are the toast of the NFL and headed to the Super Bowl. Everybody, nobody remembers what happens two weeks ago or even much less last year. I think for the Dolphins to change that narrative, they're going to have to get in the playoffs. They're going to have to play a big game somewhere, possibly in Buffalo, and try to win that or get in the playoffs and win a game or two and then start changing the the narrative around the team. Winning is the only thing that really would change it, I, I think. I think you would agree with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, look, I don't want to come... I don't want to come in and go, oh, it's a downer, it's a downer. But, it, 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 you know, it just felt like we were hanging on in a game that we should have comfortably won, which yes. was just a bit disappointing. And I think that's kind of the issue. You you, you kind of want to you want to lay, relay a marker. Do you know what I mean? You put down a marker. And actually, what's quite interesting is that you look at what the Patriots have done subsequently. And it feels like that week one was a bit of a marker, actually, because the Patriots are three and three. They're going to be four and three tonight. I'm pretty sure they'll beat the Bears. Um, they're playing pretty well. That run game is absolutely massive. The offensive line is doing a great job. You know, they've got this kind of... Um, defense that's much maligned, but it's playing well. Coaching's coaching. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think the, the the Patriots are any mugs. We beat the Patriots. We beat the Bills. We beat the Ravens. And you know, said last week we should really be five and one, six and zero oh, if two was healthy. Yeah. Uh, I, although I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't poo poo that uh, that Bills win. I think is massive. One hundred percent. It was a it was a, it was a huge win. And the reason I think it's massive is because the Jets or the Patriots have not faced the Bills. And we know that the Bills are a buzzsaw. So those are two two losses headed their way. You know what I mean? Unless, yeah. you know, New England or or the or the Jets can pull off the impossible. But I, know, you know, I loved what I, I love what Jeff Darlington said when he said that McDaniel accomplished the rare feat of bringing the analytics crowd and the traditionalist crowd together <laughs> in the fact that they all hated that fourth down call. Um, yes. What I didn't like, uh, look, I, I like that he's accountable, but, you know, and, and I, I've spoken about this a million times. Yes, players choke. That's a thing, okay? Uh, it happens, you know? We're human. Like, sometimes the pressure overwhelms us. We think about things too much, and it's, it's not that we're cowardly or anything. It's just, you know, our head, our brain gets out of the way. It gets in the way, and, you know, we don't let our body function the way it's supposed to function. In this case... I do believe that coaches sometimes do choke. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they're out of ideas and they, and they just say, you know what? I'm going for it. But look at that. I don't know why, but I'm going for it. I mean, we had the ball at our own 47 with 138 left in the half and two timeouts. We gained 24 yards in one minute and 32 seconds. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's, you can't do that. Do you know what I mean? That's that was just bad play calling from him. Yeah, he was trying to be way too cute. He's done this twice. Uh, one time it really worked out. Uh, I believe it was against the Bills, right? Uh, where they didn't give the ball back because you were afraid, definitely afraid of giving Josh Allen a run at at a field goal. Uh, they did that against the Bills, and they did that against the, uh, I believe it was the Ravens, or no, against the Jets. They did it against the Jets, where they managed the clock perfectly to the point where they left themselves essentially almost no time on the clock after they scored. Now that's perfect. That's, that's fine. They tried to do it again. And this time it was way too cute. So I tell you what I didn't, didn't like about it either was just a play call. Do you know what I mean? I just didn't like, I mean, it was back to back inside zone runs to chase Evans. I just didn't like it. Like at least put the ball in your quarterback's hands and you've got the two speed, you know, just hit a speed out or a, do you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't know. I just didn't understand the play call really because it didn't work on third down, and I, I kind of felt like I wasn't going to work on fourth down. And even if even if you're going to do that, just take a time out and think about it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. 
like I know you've been critical of Jason Sanders. I know he's missed it, but I thought he was outstanding last night. You know, just yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was hitting him straight and strong yeah. all night last night. Yeah, I thought he was I great agree. last night, and um, Morstead as well. Again, Morstead's been brilliant all season, but um, yeah, I just like go up nine, go up two scores. You, you're not going to lose a two score game. Yeah, like look, I completely understand. Like. like, look, my queasiness with Jason Sanders is is not you know inside the forty, okay, and and not inside forty yard. Uh, kicks okay really not inside the 50 actually yeah you know pretty I mean? much I mean, pretty... my queasiness is trying those 52 53 yarders like hey you know you know let's 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 pull off here a 53 yard field goal to go up 10 like i would be queasy with jason sanders because i'm i'm afraid of giving up that that field position because i just don't trust him past 50 mm. but inside inside 50 yeah why not and that was a gimme by the way it was at the 14 yard line okay that's uh that's an extra point uh, he said that he consulted his uh, his analytics people, and his analytics people were telling him, uh, "Kick the field goal here, guy." And he just decided, you know what? I'm just going for it. I'm just going to do it because this is what I feel like doing. So he went with his gut. It was a mistake. Uh, like there's no way around it. On the play call, if you watch the play again, it looks like it's a it's a crossbuck skinny, which uh, I'll explain it for, and it's really hard to do over audio without a, like, a, like a chalkboard. But Teron Armstead is going to kick his man up because he's going he's gonna to give like a pass block look. So he's just going to ride his man out. So you're eliminating one guy out of the play. They got the front that they wanted. They got a, an over front, so, w- meaning that the linebackers are behind the, the tackles. So it's harder for them to get outside. So you're going to release the guard that's playing right next to Teron Armstead, which is Liam Meikenberg. He has to seal the front side linebacker. He gets that block. If you watch the play, it's blocked perfectly on that side. But Edmonds, for whatever reasons, doesn't see it and doesn't go outside. If he goes outside, it's him and Minka Fitzpatrick and the end zone. And that's it. And I don't know if Minka Fitzpatrick stops him from getting those three yards because he's coming downhill from about 12 yards away. You know, so it's it's essentially Edmonds and Micah Fitzpatrick for a touchdown, but the first down is in the bag. Edmonds missed the hole. And, you know, might as well start with all the negatives. Is it time for Gaskin to get a promotion over Chase Edmonds? Um, yeah, probably. I'd like to see Ahmed and Gaskin touch the ball a bit more. I just think Chase Edmonds, I called him Edmund Scissorhands last night on Twitter. And, um... All right, very quick follow-up. If you're doing that, you're trading Edmonds this week, right? It's the deadline already. I mean, you could. I don't think they will, but because I don't think people will take on that contract. But um, you, you could. You absolutely could. I wouldn't be surprised if he got moved. Um, but then uh, you kind of feel like they don't have a, like a puppy on pra- on the practice squad. I don't think, do they? They don't think there's a back on the practice squad at the moment. I'm just uh, Perrine. Out. They got LaMichael Perrine. Oh, okay. LaMichael Perrine, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean... You could do. I certainly. I, I. I. I don't think you'd be getting any less from the other two. I, I just think he's been a real disappointment, unfortunately, because I, I. I do like him. Um, I know he said he's found it hard adjusting to outside zone. Um, you know, but yeah, it's um, it's not really working for him at the moment. So, so yeah. Yeah, I. I. I reviewed the game this morning, and I'm watching the game again right now on NFL Network. Uh, it's maddening how many plays were just an inch, uh, uh, you know, mm. a millimeter away, a mistake away from popping the game wide opening and, and making it a two score game. Like yeah. at any moment from the second f- quarter down to the middle of the fourth quarter. Gasicki catch at the goal line that he sort of hit him in the face. I don't know if he's 
you know, you kind of feel like he's got to bring that in. Yeah, Edmonds yeah. pulled his arm down on that one, by the right, way. Right, okay. Okay. The most uh, catch at the goal line, which obviously Minka played that brilliantly, but he kind of just, you know, he hadn't even scored. It was the first down. Do you know what I mean? That you yeah. just, you know, that's, that's, that's enough. the one that the one that really bothered me because I thought it was such an obvious call to make. And it's not on the on, on not on the the DPI at the end of the game when he throws that go route to Tyreek Hill. Because I'll tell you that Minka had had Tua completely spooked by the fourth quarter. But it was before that, what what they kept talking about the dropped interception by Terrell Edmonds on the seam route to Gasecki, that thing was going to be a completion and about a 40-yard gain. But whoever the guy was under him, which was number 35, completely interfered with with Gasecki, pulled his arm down, and then basically started tackling him before the ball got there. That would have been a 40-yard penalty. If he doesn't do that, he catches it. It's it's like a 40-yard gain in the fourth quarter, and they're driving. But besides all those mistakes, those two drops by Edmonds were killers. Both of them would have been first downs inside the 40-yard line. You yeah, don't know yeah. what, what happens. Those are field goals or those are – and both by the way, both drives ended up be, becoming punts. Those are either field goals or, who knows, touchdown drives. So Yeah, the thing that, the thing that annoyed me most of all was the, was the dropped touchdown by Tyreek on the crossing route where he inexplicably just pulls up and mm-hmm. like, stops and then carries on. And, you know, that, that was a touchdown all the way. I, I thought two had missed some throws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the there's the in route to Tyreek uh, towards the goal line. The, I think the worst one. I'm gonna have to see the all twenty two. But I think the worst one is he hits Waddle in the middle of the field, and Jalen has to jump up and catch it. That is the worst like, one. You know why? <laughs> you know why? Because he just walks Mick, in if he throws it in front of him. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, easily. Uh, if I, I saw the the all twenty two view of that play, it was sent to me early this morning. Like, oh my god, you want to see good, uh, like good uh, play design. And I said, yeah, I saw that play about 60 or 70 times in camp. Like, they kept running it over and over again. And they would just take turns. Who's going to run the deep post and who's going to run the cross or who's going to run the deep dig? Uh, this time, it ended up being Tyreek Hill ran the deep post. And Minka Fitzpatrick couldn't, could have not cared less that Waddle was running the dig. Minka Fitzpatrick was on a dead sprint to take away the deep post from Tyreek Hill. And uh, they completely ignored Waddle. Like, there was nobody there. If he puts that out, he could have punted it to him. And it's just Waddle sprinting to the goal line. And then Minka has to run from the, the two-yard line on the other side of the field all the way over to try to catch him by the by the pylon. I don't know if he does or not. But yeah. you just, know. just lay it out and just feather it out in front of him. Like, yeah. You look at that throw um to Gasicki on the against the Bengals, where he sort of feathered it in amongst four defenders, like literally two plays before he gets picked off on the deep ball. You just think just where's the touch? Just lead him. And yeah. he walks into the end zone. I mean, look, and again, we're not being critical. We're, we're you know, I, yeah, I thought, these are the, these, this is why it was a 16 10 game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I thought he was rusty. I, I thought he played, I thought he was brilliant to start with, absolutely sensational yeah. to start with. Um, but just a bit off, accuracy a bit off, timing a bit off, too many throws left. And, and that's the thing with me. I, I love it. I love the guy. I'm so, I get so nervous when he drops back because I just want him to like, I just want every pass to be complete. I'm so excited when it's complete. This is going to sound really terrible, but it means more to me when we win, when he's been the architect of it. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because it means more. Long-term. I just love the guy. I love the guy. I love everything he stands for. I love, I so desperately want him to prove everybody wrong. And so if we win a game and he throws the game winning touchdown, 
to me, that's 11 out of 10, where it might only be 10 and a half out of 10 if it was one of the other quarterbacks. Like I'm so, and I, you know, it's it's always going to be the name on the front rather than the name on the back for me. But the caveat to that is I just am so desperate for him to be successful because I think he's had a shitty time. He's been beaten about with a shitty stick on all sorts of things. And he's a really good player, but I just want to see a bit more consistency from him. And, you know, it's it, we're, we're, we're trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but now he's taken the, the step. You know, you look at the categories, like Travis Wingfield um, tweeted this morning that he's he's top four in the following categories, QBR, EPA per play rating, sack rating, touchdown percentage, yards per attempt. He's first in the league in yards per attempt, net yards per drop back. That's all amazing. That's all great. Mm-hmm. But think how much fucking better it could be if he was just a little bit more consistent. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. he was, what, 25 of 38 or something last night? He should have been about 32 of 38 last night. I mean, mm-hmm. there were five or six that he'd absolutely want back. Like the throw that was almost picked off that he threw to Cam Sutton when he was aiming at Tyreek down in the... If you're looking at the... Yeah. If you're watching the TV, it would yeah. be the left side end zone. You're just like, where are you throwing that, mate? Like, I don't understand where you're throwing that. He's trying to be a wizard with that pass because I'm watching yeah. the pass right now. Like, you know, who the hell complete? You know who completes that pass? About uh, Aaron Rodgers about six years ago. Yeah. But the, <laughs> other, the, and the other one is like, you've got one-on-one. Cut, like Chris, and Chris made the point and he was right. You know, I didn't like the third and two deep ball to Tyreek Hill, but then Tyreek was one-on-one with, with, with Terrell Edmonds, but he underthrew him. Like he had, he had two steps on Edmonds and Tyreek. Yeah, and you know why he up. underthrew him? Because Minka Fitzpatrick was on the hash and he was firing off that hash and he was trying to drop it in the bucket and not trying to lead him because he thought he was going to throw an interception to Minka just, Fitzpatrick. Just lead him. I just don't understand. Just lead he him. He should have just let him. He should because it, it, it wasn't it wasn't really like he didn't have to really reach him. It was like a forty five yard throw to to get it out there to the end zone, but he was completely spooked for whatever reason. Like it got into his head. Something happened in that game where Minka made a play on something that got him thinking about where Minka Fitzpatrick was. I thought he was fabulous. Minka Fitzpatrick last night was showing. It was obvious that he was trying. He was trying to show the the hometown fans and his former team what they're missing out on. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. But look, I, I thought Tua made some great throws last night. Like the throw to um the throw to Trent Sherfield at the start of the third quarter from the wow. back of the end zone was an absolute stunner. Yes, one of the best throws. It was an absolutely superb throw, and that was also bad luck because that that cornerback makes a spectacular tackle. That cornerback misses that. The Trent Shurfield's still running. It's it's yeah. an eighty yard touchdown. <laughs> I thought the throw to Tyreek on third and six in the third quarter, the little over the shoulder over Dev. I think it was Devin Bush, maybe. I thought it was a, was a great throw. Uh, the Shurfield catch, the Shurfield throwing catch was was superb. Yeah, um, you know, real a, a minimal talk as well. I just you know that was a. Um, yeah, that was a great throw. But I thought, like, generally, I thought, like, the offensive line were superb last night. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you. And let's 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 just transition to the good here, okay? I think we've talked enough about about the. But bad there was lots that. of good. Don't, don't get me wrong. There was lots of good. Yes, and, and good. now and we're going to talk about a lot of it right now because you know there is some bad. Uh, Brandon Jones, that that injury, we don't know what's going on with him. Um, you made an observation. You thought it was like a shin. I tend it's, to think it, it was a grabbing his shin. But- yeah, it's either his shin or his ankle. It's not his knee, uh, and because they did the ACL test, and then they gave up on it because you see that when they straighten out his leg, and then they they flatten it out, and then they lift it, and he's like, "Nah," he shakes his head like, "No, nah, that's not it." And you see that the guy moves off of the knee, which means okay, it's not an ACL, which means he passed his on-field ACL test. Yeah. Okay, because not to be a little bit too gruesome about it, but when they straighten out your knee and then they lift it, it's supposed to go limp because. Yeah. 
you yeah, know, the, the lower leg is essentially dead. And then the, the on-field doctor could say, okay, that's a torn ACL. Like, I know already. But no, he, they give up on that, and they looked at something. So it could have been a shin or a high ankle sprain, something like that. You know, but he was obviously in a lot of pain. I think I, I think the fact that nobody's come out and said, oh, he was, um, you know, they're, they're fearing the worst for an MCL, uh, for an ACL. The fact that nobody's come out and said that, do you know what I mean? It's makes good me, news. Makes me feel like it's probably better news than, than you know, what we f- perhaps first thought. Yeah, and, and let me tell you one thing, man. Uh, a bruised shin could feel like death, okay? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? But let's start going down the line and start giving some flowers to these players. And I guess we'll just get into it, uh, you know. Uh, the best players that the best of what we saw out there on on Sunday Night Football. I'm gonna start Jalen Phillips. Wow, what a performance, right, Simon? Yeah, he was brilliant. What what I love about him is is you know, and I think he's been a bit like his pressure rate is one of the best in the league. So it's far. astronomical. <laughs> yeah, but I thought he had like what did he have a sack, seven tackles, a few pressures last night. The player I loved most of all was that it was either I think it was in the fourth quarter. And it it was the drive, I think it was the drive, where Holland had the pick because I think there was a penalty on the play against against the Steelers. But it was pick it, dropped back in the pocket and then scrambled out to his left and ran for a first down. And Phillips traced back from the from the boundary side of the field right across and and tackled him. Like the, the speed he's got is unbelievable. But just the work rate, the effort to, to to get to stop him to get that first down. I know it came back on a penalty, but Phillips wasn't to know it. But and then they got another penalty, didn't they? And then Holland had the pick on third and sixteen. Um, yeah, I thought he was brilliant. I mean, to be honest, look, we've talked about this, and and people keep asking me. I mean, some guy sent me a message on Twitter last night going, "This is ridiculous. You know, they, we can't get any pressure. Someone needs to get fired." And if and I said, "Look, dude, like they can't run their scheme. Like it's impossible <laughs> to run their scheme." Well, you know, you just got you got to adapt with what you've got. If they can't do that, then then somebody needs to be fired and i just i'm just like, i don't i don't understand that concept like for people that don't understand right miami likes to play cover zero yes. which is literally no safeties which is why they've got xavier howard and byron jones two really good cover callers and they like to line up their cover callers man to man on an island with no safety help and then blitz the fuck out of it or make it look like they're gonna blitz and drop off or do late changes whatever okay and mm. that creates huge pressure. And you saw that maximized last year at home against the Ravens where they just blitzed the fuck out of Lamar Jackson. He couldn't get going. We won the game. But Xavier Howard is playing, but you cannot run cover zero when you've got two special teams defenders, which is what Ibn Ogunay <laughs> and Justin Bethel. Justin you, Bethel, right? You want to hear, hear his stat? When I, I was astonished to hear this. because 61 I, snaps in yes. four seasons on defense. Yes. He had 59 last <laughs> night on defense. There it is. That's the stat. That's the and stat, people. unbelievable. If you did not hear that, that's 61 pass coverage snaps in four seasons. 59 defense, last night. <laughs> 59 on defense last night. And he was spectacular. Yes, he's you very can't good. Run. You cannot run the coverage and the scheme that you want to. So you have to try and get home with four. And the NFL is very difficult to try and get. It, teams struggle to get home with four, whether you're the Denver Broncos, the Seattle Seahawks, you know, whichever team, the, the San Francisco 49ers, whoever you are, even teams with elite pass rushers, it's not always easy to get home with four. You mm-hmm. manipulate pressure you manipulate blitzes that's the way the nfl works and you know i I thought i thought guys up front played really well last night i thought ingram played well i thought christian wilkins played well Mm -hmm. i thought sealer played well i thought andrew van ginkle had 19 snaps on defense i thought he was an absolute 
weapon all He was a terror. Five. He had seven tackles within two yards of the line of scrimmage or beyond. beyond yeah, it. but I just thought Bethel, Bethel was brilliant. I thought Noah had a couple of ups and downs, but was absolutely, you know, pro- like people was talking about him when the Pickens touchdown. He's in perfect coverage mm-hmm. on the George Pickens. He's in perfect coverage. And it, he he is about an inch or two inches away from knocking the ball out of his hand. I mean, he can't play it much better than that. And people say, no, he needs to look back for the ball. Dude, you run backwards playing a six foot four, 215 pound wide receiver in a really short area when you've probably got about two and a half seconds and you're you're maxed out against the side of the field. But also you look back. Yeah. The problem is that people watch the TV and they know everything that's going on. When you're out there, you see your man. You don't know where the ball is. You don't know if it's coming to you. Jerry from Walmart, who's 26 stone, saying that you should be, uh, you know, dude, look back for the ball. You're useless. I mean, come on. In what world? In what <laughs> yeah. world are we living in? But no, I thought that. I mean, the much maligned Clayton Fedulum had a couple oh my of God. monster two, plays. Two great plays. It was he had heroic. a couple of monsters. It was heroic. And, and you know what? And and, and I'm going uh, to give myself, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that I was wrong about something. I didn't think that their their secondary was that good, but I did think that they had a lot of talent because we were talking about it on the on the preview podcast. Like, my God, look at the talent on defense and look at the way they played this year. Like, look, they destroyed Joe Burrow and they destroyed Tom Brady, although that's not a, a great feat these days because Tom Brady just got destroyed by whatever the Carolina Panthers have left. Okay. But that's a good defense. Okay. Uh, that's a really good defense, but on offense, man, they got a lot of players. Like those are all, those are good. Chase Claypool is a hell of a player. George Pickens is a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson is a really good wide receiver. Uh, uh, I've, I always pronounce this guy's name wrong, but uh, Frymouth, that's right. Frymouth yeah. is at least top five ish, top six ish tight end. Maybe should I say should I say something controversial? I think the the Steelers might have won the game last night if Trubisky was playing. Possibly. Like the defense held Miami to no second half points, 16 overall, no touchdowns in the final three quarters, four of 14 on third down. I mean, I thought their defense was spectacular. I thought, you know, they made a, the adjustments that they made on defense um, midway through the second quarter was, was pretty damn good. You know, good safeties. I just, you know, you can still get home pressure cam hayward's an absolute stallion always will be linebackers are good i thought the kid from uh miles jacks played really well devin bush is playing well so yeah it's um uh, and but just coaching i just thought like we go back to what we said at the top i just thought they they out coached um they out coached um the dolphins miami needs a corner by the way in this draft coming up yeah I, I, you know so, what um i saw a mock draft because i don't know if you saw this and i got tingly all over because the the 49ers, I don't know if you noticed, uh, they lost again. So yeah. our pick is now 12th. And I saw a mock draft that had Bijan Robinson going to the Miami Dolphins at 12. And I don't know. Uh, I got the vapors, Simon. Like, uh, I got flashes, like hot flashes. I started being shorter, short of breath. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, 12. I really like him. But I would pump the brakes on if, if the draft was today, we'd be picking 12th. I mean, I would be looking hard at... You know, Keely Ringo of Georgia, I'd be looking hard at Joey Porter Jr. of Penn State. You know, I'd be looking at guys like that. Cam Smith of South Carolina. I just, uh, they need help at corner massively. Um, you know, because the question comes about Byron Jones, what happens next year? Um, we all, you know, Channing Tindall has not been drafted for this year. Do you know what I mean? Channing Tindall mm. will take over from Landon Roberts next year. That I'm sure is the plan, right? Yeah, um, that looks that way. 
You need, you know, well, Melvin Ingram, you know, he's on a snap count and he still looks like he's got it in the tank. Would you sign him to another year? I probably would if he was still going to play. I think the line, the interesting thing about the offensive line is Brandon Shell, I think he's played really well. I thought he was good at left tackle. I thought it was excellent. You know, I have to look properly at the All-22. Yeah. Uh, and I think we need to give some love to Liam Eikenberg. And you pointed out in um, in OnlyFans earlier on, but I think that's back-to-back weeks where he's played pretty decently. Yeah, he looked good yesterday, uh, except for that first play. That first play was ominous. When I saw that, I was like, come on, Liam, you're not going to do this, right? Like, I don't know if you saw – well, you saw the whole game, so you saw the whole run-up. Did you see that intro? That intro oh. was one of the greatest things I've ever seen at a Dolphin Stadium. I don't know if it got oh. shown in, in England. Did you see it here? Was this the thing with Shula at the – uh, no, they did an intro. Uh, they introduced the offense, right? right. The stadium, they, they took all the lights off in the stadium. They started introducing the offense, and they go one by one. The last three guys that they introduced were Teron Armstead, Tyreek Hill, and the last guy was Tua Tungavaloa. And when Tua, they introduced Tua Tungavaloa, they put the lights up, and that that place went absolutely ballistic. Okay. Okay? And then they had the promo, which had Mercury Morris talking about the, the 72 team, right? Yeah. And then... Midway through the promo, he just says, but that was then, and this is now. And then he started talking about this team, and the crowd just went absolutely ballistic. It was one of the best promos I've ever seen inside of a stadium because yeah. it, it just looked like Mercury Morris was going on his whole spiel again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, how we were perfect and nobody can be perfect. But he, he immediately stopped, and he goes, let me tell you about Tyreek Hill. And how about this guy we drafted last year in Jalen Waddle? And how about our quarterback? And our left tackle. So I thought it was a great promo. I guess we could end it here. Let's go with that three stars. And then when I bring on Chris Kaufman, I guess we'll get into the game a little bit more in depth. I'll go with my three stars. And my first star is going to be Teron Armstead. Um, he might be the best player on the team. And I understand that Tyreek Hill is on his team and he's having a monster year. But Tyreek Hill hasn't been perfect. We talked about a couple of plays where if he just runs through that that dig or, or that crosser, he might have scored. I think Teron Armstead has been pretty close to perfect. Yeah, he's been great. He's been absolutely great. So he's going to be my number one. My number two is going to be, you know what? Uh, it's it's hard not to to notice when Emmanuel Ogba doesn't play. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle gets some some snaps and he makes an impact. Yeah. So Andrew Van Ginkle is my number two. My number three is Justin Bethel. Uh, there's something to be said of having an adult. You know what I mean? Out there, he just. He makes me feel good. <laughs> Let's just yeah. say that. While yeah. I see a rookie run out there, or maybe Noah or or Keon Crossan, like, I don't know. I'm not too trustful about that. But I see Justin Bethel. This guy's playing in Super Bowls, all right? Maybe not in coverage, but he just makes me feel good. He makes me feel like, okay, he's not going to make a negative play. He's going to be smart. He's going to know the defense. So Justin Bethel's my number three guy. Your three guys, Simon. Yeah, I mean, Armstead, you could pick every week because he's just an absolute stallion. Uh, I'd go with Bethel as well. I thought he was brilliant. Um, I think Igbenogane, you know, like I said, ups and downs, but he sealed the win at the end of the game and you can't uh, you can't be that. Talked about Brandon Shell. I thought he was great. I'm going to go with Connor Williams, actually. I think Connor Williams is having an outstanding season. I thought he was brilliant again last night. Trent Sherfield, I thought, was great as well. Uh, blocking as well. I think, you know, if you watch that back on the All-22, his blocking is excellent. But I'm going to go with Connor Williams because I think he's playing as good a... He's playing as good a. We're going back to the sort of classic Mike Pouncey years in terms of how well Connor Williams is playing. Mm. I think at the moment. So and and he seemed to have got most of those high snaps out of his system as well. Duke Riley as well. I just want to give a nod to him. I thought he had a really good game too. So, but yeah, there was um. I would go Bethel, um, Igbenogane for the pick and uh, Connor Williams. All right, 
Uh, we'll leave it there. When we come back, we'll have Chris Kaufman. But first, these words. This show is brought to you by Liquid Death. What a great logo, right? Looks like a tall boy beer can. Liquid Death is actually mountain spring water from the Alps, available in still, sparkling, and these flavors. Severed lime, mango chainsaw, and my favorite, Buried Alive. I actually bought another 12 yesterday. Buried Alive is my favorite and my new go-to day drink. It's no longer a secret. This is the most underrated thirst quencher in the market. Buy it today. Liquid Death kills your thirst, and the infinitely recyclable cans are environmentally friendly. Liquid Death also donates 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get Liquid Death at your local Publix, the Fresh Market, or Whole Foods Market, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com three. That's our dedicated website, by the way. T-H-R-E-E, liquiddeath.com slash three. Follow Liquid Death on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. Use the hashtag, hashtag murder your thirst, and hashtag death to plastic, liquid death. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. And as promised, Chris Kaufman. Hello, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Hey. Uh, how did you enjoy that game, by the way? I didn't. <laughs> you really? I, mean, I watched it. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. <laughs> you didn't enjoy it, uh, man. I winning. mean, you know, I, I, I enjoyed approximately one quarter of it. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. That first quarter, uh, that's, that first quarter was absolute That sex. first quarter, yeah, that first quarter was, was sex. I had like, you know, I had a, I had a beer in my hand and uh you know I, I was sitting on my couch and um i forget what i was eating but i was eating something or something really good and um yeah i mean it was just just seemed like all was all is right with the world right now <laughs> for one quarter yeah. that's 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 as much as we get that's as much as we're allowed to have <laughs> yeah as uh, I, I, I said so earlier in in the show when i was talking to simon you know, I'm not gonna apologize for this one. After watching Aaron Rodgers lose to the to something called the Commanders <laughs> and, and Tyler Henneke, and then mm-hmm. watching Tom Brady, I don't know. I, I gotta watch that game. I'm gonna watch that game because I don't know if that was real or not, or that's in an alternate dimension. But Tom Brady was on a, on the football field with all his weapons, and he lost mm-hmm. to, the, to the tanking Carolina Panthers, 21 to three. That is not a. That's not a lie. That's that is a bad, bad, bad situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, I don't even want to say. I don't even want to say what was floated to me right before before all the action yesterday or yesterday, including the Tom Brady action and, and, and the. But let's just say that you know the, the people that that are that are quite skeptical uh, still about Tua's ability to stay healthy healthy, um, were like. If Tua takes a concussion tonight, we're trading for Tom Brady before the t- before the the trade deadline. <laughs> uh, oh, oh boy! <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine that? Can you imagine? 
<laughs> Can you imagine that? Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be, uh, yeah, uh, uh, that, that's an awful situation in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and it's it really is. Uh, hey, I'll float him. I'll float him a six round pick, man, uh, for for Tom Brady as a backup for for Tua. <laughs> what a plan yeah. B, man! Right? I don't think Tom Brady backs up anybody, but <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's what an awful situation. Just you know, for well, there's there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to it, but you know, it's it's sort of like kind of at this point i wonder if the obvious thing is the you know the obvious thing which is he's got a lot of personal life issues going on right now and mm -hmm. um you know and that's you know everybody everybody kind of i don't know if they want to ignore that or not i mean i know they talk about it but I mean, it's just you know like oh he was he was at a wedding instead of you know preparing for the game well um yeah, I think I think there's I think there's a little bit more going on that's distracting than just than you know Bob Kraft's wedding. I think wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's let, let's 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 not. Is this a, is this a way to not acknowledge the elephant in the room? You know, as far as as far as uh, his personal life kind of falling apart a little bit. Um, not a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it. Uh, a lot of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, not to mention Giselle is a uh, is a is a is a self proclaimed uh, self proclaimed white witch, um, and and I'm not making that up. Uh, and you know, God only knows what kind of hoodoo she's putting on him. <laughs> she she put a root on his ass. <laughs> yeah, old oh, man, I'm telling you. You saw? Did you ever see uh, Harlem Nights? That the movie with Eddie Murphy and and Richard Pryor. Uh, you know, it was so long ago that I cannot remember a thing. You know, I, it was one of those movies that I that I watched when I shouldn't have watched it because based on my age, yeah, at the time. And, and no, I cannot remember that. <laughs> There's a scene on there where you have three legends, okay, and they're riffing off of each other, and it's uh, it's imagine this scene, all right, because you have Richard Pryor. You have Red Fox, and you have Eddie Murphy just sitting around shooting the shit, and they're talking mm -hmm. about women. And uh, Eddie Murphy says, "I went out with this uh, this woman called uh, Dominique Larue," and Red Fox goes, "Hmm, Dominique Larue—that's a French name. Where where does this French girl come from?" And he goes, "Oh, she's Creole." And he goes, "Oh, do you want to? You don't want to be messing with them Creole women? They, they'll put a root on their ass." <laughs> Well, and he goes, you guys got to get out of the jungle with this witchcraft jazz. And he goes, no, nah, I heard all about I it. Can say, all I can say, though, is Tom Brady went from looking like, you know, like like Tom Brady to looking like the Crypt Keeper in, like, <laughs> yes. in a very short amount of time. Like, he looked like he finally gave his magic ring to Frodo uh, and, and age caught up with him. And it just happened in a, in a matter of months. Like and, Red uh, Fox said in Harlem Nights, he knew a guy called William Walcott that he messed around with a Creole girl, made her, played her dirty, and she put a root on his ass, shrunk his dick to the size of a cocktail weenie. That's it. And Eddie Murphy said, is that for real? And he goes, yeah, and she'll bury your drawers in the, in the yard and you can't find them either. And he said, Richard <laughs> Pryor just looks at Red Fox and very, I think he went too far with with all the bullshit they were trying to tell him, you know. All right, great movie. All right, that that's it for movie talk. Within nine minutes, on not a, not a great game though. 
No, it was not a great game, and that's why that's why we're talking movies. But man, I'm sorry. After a three game losing streak, you get QB one back. It felt like forty five oh, yeah. nothing. You know, how did it just yeah, had the no, game I, just I, I, die to death? You know what I mean? But you had the Javon Holland pick. Then you had Noah Benagni. There's poetry in the game there. Right? That is that is definitely. I mean, you know, some people are gonna some people definitely are gonna are gonna, you know, you know the types that yes. are gonna step up and be like, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with a defensive game. Mm-hmm. You know, like something every game doesn't have to be an off, you know, an offensive you know, just just shoot out or something like that. Of course, we want it to be, but um, but you know, there's nothing wrong with a a strong defensive performance and what you saw, what you saw in terms of leadership and uh, and playmaking out of out of Javon Holland and and then um, and then you know the the poetic ending with uh, Noah Igbenogany, which left me absolutely speechless, speechless. Mm. I there I couldn't even comprehend what just happened. Yeah, um, no, and 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 what what made it great was as soon as I saw him catch it, I was like, he's in, and I mm-hmm, saw the referee mm-hmm. wave it off, and I'm like, did he juggle it? And then it was, I came away. Then I came away thinking that that referee was was in on the 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 Jets hoax with mm-hmm. the spotter because I was like, how the <laughs> hell can you be standing right there see that? And I'm usually skeptical anytime that that a play goes down on the sideline, but as soon as I saw him, I'm like, he got it. I saw both feet hit in the end zone so if he just caught it he has it how can the referee be I mean, sitting there and wave it off so confidently like no hell no he didn't catch this to see that guy make that play in that moment and and it wasn't just you know it, it like it was a it was a great like that toe tap and that you know the whole the whole play i mean to see it was like watching a dog get up and play the piano i mean it's just it's <laughs> It's confusing and wonderful at the same time. And you just, you just had a whole mix of emotions and you didn't know whether to cry or laugh or, um, you know, or go have some alone time in the shower. Um, you know, it's, it, it was really something or maybe all, maybe all three. I don't know. Yeah. As far as the offensive side, man, they were so close. I talked to, I talked about, I talked to Simon about this, man. We, we went back and forth and we could, we found like, half a dozen plays that could have changed the whole complexion of that game. Could have turned that game into a two touchdown game. And we're sitting here saying, ah, you know, we kicked the Steelers ass. That was fun, but no, mm-hmm. not quite. Like it was like, they were so close. Like I was, I was explaining one play in particular. Okay. And I know it's not going to come to mind because we have a few others like, like the, the Tyreek Hill play. And mm-hmm. of course the two chase Edmonds drops, which would have set them up with, with first downs near midfield or inside Steeler territory, and you never know if those turn into field goals or touchdowns. You know, they're extended drives, so those are positive plays if you make them. Uh, the fourth and three, which, you know, it, it, it looked like if you watch the play from, from the back, you see that it's perfectly blocked, actually, if if Edmonds just, you know, cuts to his landmark under Teron Armstead, it's wide open. It's him and Minka Fitzpatrick for the end zone. He definitely has the first down, but, of course, it just runs into a pile in the middle of the of the field. And then Mike McDaniel's made to look like an idiot. But in the second half, that I don't know what, what the hell we call that. That's like a it's like a skinny post to to Trent Sherfield. Oh yeah. The guy that first of all, the throw is insane. When you watch it from behind from the end zone, the throw mm-hmm. is insane. He's anticipating it from one hash from to the other. Trent Sherfield is on one hash and he's throwing it right down the other. 
And if you watch that play, the guy, I think it's Levi Wallace, who's who's covering Trent Sherfield. He misses that tackle. Trent Sherfield scores. And it's like an mm-hmm. 80-yard touchdown. So yeah, it was it was insane. It was insane at timing and um and, and accuracy on that because I it, it actually recalled to mind. Um, and this is obviously this is this was a draft bust, but um, you know, back back in the back in the day when uh when old man Brandon Whedon was coming out, um, they uh they of the of the in the draft they did in sports science, they had them um use a football to shoot clay pigeons out of the sky <laughs> yes and so they had um they had they were uh you know um shooting clay pigeons from i think from right to left uh i forget how what distance it was and you know from but you know how small that is right yeah <laughs> and, and and he's got and he's literally i mean it's just this is this is the most circus uh performance that you've ever seen and and they ask him to just hey throw the footballs and try to hit them out of the air and um and at one point I, I at one point I think he nailed like you know three three in a row or or like you know five out of six or something like that, and and they were pointing out that it was like given the given how fast these things were moving they were like you know 40, 50 miles an hour across the, across uh, right to left and how small they are his timing had to be to within a hundredth of a second in order to in order to hit these things and he and he you know hit a number of them and that's the kind of throw that that was <laughs> yeah. if it was off by one hundredth of a second on the timing then it would have been a different result and it was just it's it's, it's insane what these guys can do sometimes yeah and levi wallace man, man if he if he goes for the ball it's an adr touchdown and and we're here talking about well Kick the crap out of the Steelers, huh? That was fun, but nah, man. He he was smart to just say, you know what? This thing this thing is on target. It's probably gonna get caught. Let me just make sure I get this tackle here and just give up a forty yard play instead of an eighty yard play. But but yeah, you're talking about parlor tricks. I saw once. Uh, I went to a Super Bowl experience. It was actually the year that the Bears played the the Colts here in Miami. That was Peyton Manning's Super Bowl championship in, uh, with the Colts. And Dante Culpepper, blast from the past. Oh, yeah, there you go. With Tony Romo, were doing like, they were doing like, you know, like a like a little clinic with kids. Uh, and they were throwing the ball around. And then Tony Romo put on a, a display. And I was sitting there, right? And then I, I remember, I, I forgot, you know, why I was there. But I remember I was credentialed for some reason, for one reason or, or another. And I was standing about ten yards away from Tony Romo, and Tony Romo was telling Dante Culpepper. Now I, I kept I kept hearing that they were having like a a conversation, and Dante Culpepper was saying, "Nah, you can't do that." And Romo was like, "You know, I've done it, and I can, I will." And and Culpepper was saying, "All right, go ahead." And you see, that Tony Romo gets uh, they brought him some footballs. They set up a garbage can in the end zone, and he stood at the forty yard line, right? And then you see. They hand him a football. He launches it, and he hits the left upright. They give him another football. He hits the right upright. They give him another football. He hits the crossbar. Mm-hmm. And then they give him the fourth football, and he lobbed it into the end zone, right into the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, and I'm like, wow. Like, that was the best parlor trick I've ever seen. Then I've I've heard since that, like, maybe... 
you know, 90% of NFL quarterbacks can hit all the crossbars. Like it's really common for whatever reason. <laughs> so it's not as impressive as, as it used to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they do it. You remember who used to, who used to be that, who used to be able to do that is uh remember Joey Harrington. Yes. Yeah. He used yeah. to be able to do that. Can't yeah. hit a moving target where it can save his life, but, uh, but more boy, he can hit that crossbar. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 yeah, they need to draw plays where the guy goes and sits on the crossbar. Yeah, yeah. elf yeah. on a shelf from uh, somebody up there. Uh, yeah. By the way, if anybody's team, wondering, when Team Grant was here, you could he could play elf on a shelf on the crossbar. Yeah. By and, the way, uh, if anybody's thinking about it, it's uh, it's illegal. <laughs> if you hit the crossbar, <laughs> it's out of bounds. By the way, just, so just, you can't throw so the know. ball. Like if you throw the ball, I understand that if you kick it and it hits the crossbar, you could catch it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you throw it and it hits the crossbar, it's out of bounds. It's uh, you can't catch it. It's, yeah. it's out of bounds. All right, so so, so you can't do that. Where's uh, the pity? Yeah. So back to this game, man. Uh, I thought that defense was heroic. Uh, they had to start. You know, they were running. You had Josh Boyer running around there with, with like band aids and Bengay and you know buckets of water, putting out fires. It looks like uh, Brandon Jones is more serious than than initially thought. Uh, well, a- no, I, I mean, I don't know about the initial thought because I'm going to tell you, like, you know, when you hear and, you know, I was I'm later I'm, I'm later uh, told some details that probably probably wouldn't be a great idea for me to share. But, um, you know, when you hear on the broadcast that the player after x-rays has been ruled out. <laughs> yeah, that's always yeah, a bad um, sign. That's a fracture. Yeah, that's, but I, that's what that means. And, yeah, but and I was telling Simon. He has a fractured fibula, I believe. So, I mean, that's, um, but and, yeah. And that was our speculation as well. I was telling Simon that the the only good news I could glean from it is that they did the ACL test on the field, and he seemed mm-hmm. to have passed it because he shook his head, and they ignored his knee. They, then they started moving down yeah, the leg. Right. I saw that. I saw that, and I, I thought that was interesting. But, you know, yeah. there's. There's other there's other CLs. <laughs> you know, yes. There's there's the ACL. There's the PCL. There's the LCL. There's there's a uh, is there a UCL? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there is a UCL. Yeah, but there is I was UCL. I was thinking, okay, so that, that's a good news. It's not an ACL, but it could be worse. You know what I mean? And <laughs> it seems like Mike McDaniel's confirming like on Wednesday they will no quote unquote no more, but it doesn't look good. You know, so when Mike McDaniel says it doesn't look good, it probably looks awful. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't really, uh, you know, tell you anything one way or the other. But man, I I, I gave these this guy flowers with Simon Justin Bethel. Man, he's just a pro. That yeah, guy, that was uh, that was. You heard, you heard the stat there. right? I'm going to repeat it again because Simon repeated it in the first half of the show. You heard the stat on Justin Bethel, right? No, he's played 61 coverage snaps the last four years. He played 59 yesterday. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And he was good. And what I like about Justin Bethel is he's kind of an he's an adult. It always makes me, you know, it makes me, you know, queasy to use the to for lack of a better word, when you have a 23-year-old running around back there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when you have an old guy back there, like you kind of trust him, like, man, he's gonna know where to be. If you call zone coverages, he's gonna know how to play them. You know, mm-hmm. Justin Bethel, now, I'm not saying I want him to play 60 snaps the rest of the year, but I'm saying if he has to play like 10 snaps in a in a pinch, I trust him. Uh, you know, I thought he played great yesterday. What what did you think of his game? 
Justin Bethel, I mean, it was just it was it was not only his defensive snaps, which he you know, but he he continued to play his exact role on special teams. Mm-hmm. And was just and was killing it, and uh, in both regards. I mean, talk about stepping up in a situation where you entered the game with only three corners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, borderline unheard of. And and of course, you know, you're gonna get a, you're gonna try to get away with it because you've got so much versatility in the safeties group too, right? Mm-hmm. Not um, and that's that's the uh, you know that's that's why you're you're you have some hope. of trying to get away with this right um but you know you only have you only have no egg monogamy and uh and xavier howard and and justin bethel um and then brandon jones goes out too you know and and you're forced to i mean eric rowe of course you you trust him to step up and play but he's got he's got to step up and and play more you gotta have verone mckinley in there uh elijah Uh, campbell made an appearance yesterday uh elijah well yeah i mean elijah campbell's been kind of making spot appearances um well or did 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 elijah campbell actually make an appearance yesterday though i believe, I, played, I, I, believe I saw him I play you know he's in special teams but i i know they went with they went with verone mckinley and um and clayton fagellin yeah fagellin by the way two great plays man <laughs> yeah uh, well, you know where, where did that come from? Well, I mean, there, there was a bad, you know, sandwiching, sandwiching a bad one. But, I mean, still, I mean, that's yeah, uh, – for to a second. Uh, one time they flexed into single high with, with Clayton Fajella. Oh, my God. Everybody yeah. held their breath. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, whoa, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, you know. Everybody held their breath. All right, he played – where the hell am I? Where's my little game? My little yeah, game I don't. Left? I don't see any. I don't see any snaps for um for number of for... snaps against the Steelers. Okay, he had a tackle, but that was obviously on special teams. The special teams. He played special teams. He Elijah. played nineteen special team snaps, zero on defense. He's played five yeah. defensive snaps this season. He played one against Cincinnati. I don't remember it. He played four against New England. When the hell was that? Yeah, he had a great he had a great preseason, but I remember when he played. Uh, I do remember when he played against New England, and he he had he had bad snaps. <laughs> he had bad snaps against New England. Really? What the hell? It's catchy. Kind of enjoying this right now. I think I had to cut that out, or we're gonna get sued. Because is, is that proprietary <laughs> yeah. music or what? Yeah, that's just a, this is some computer music just popped up all of a sudden. <laughs> Can you find out? Because I want to keep that on on the show, but is is that like a is that like it, it was a pop up from it was a pop up ad from um from Pro Football Reference. Um, okay, perfect. So I, I could keep that. You, you just gave attribution, so it's perfect. <laughs> all right, yeah. I'm keeping that on on the I podcast. Know, it was kind of catchy, man. I, I kind of liked it. I kind of wanted to let it go. Yeah, I'm gonna keep that on the podcast. All right, <laughs> let's let's keep giving those flowers, man. No, but yeah, yeah. was yeah. he good? <laughs> no, <laughs> but but he was good in the exact right moment, you know. And, I'm rooting uh, for him. You know what? He's he's my new. I'm I'm not gonna say he's my favorite player. I have a lot of favorite players. Melvin Ingram is a, is a beast. By the way, on one of those last snaps, Melvin Ingram blew up three guys and then got held, and they didn't get the call, which is a travesty because mm-hmm. usually referees will will reward great effort and great play. But they didn't on that one for, on Melvin Ingram for whatever reason. But back to Noig Monogany. Do you have hope for him? 
He is no, young, not man. really, not really. really. But you know, he's. This is one of those situations where you know, in the end, we're going to be like, you know, that first round pick and didn't work out. You know, kind of a Jamar Fletcherish situation, and and um and we're gonna, but we're gonna look back and we're gonna say, but that one game though, yeah, that one, that one game, that one but. game, he sealed it. He sealed the win, you know, like he, yeah, and, and this one was first a round huge... pick for one game, man. That seems like a lot. Man. I mean, that's stiff. It's stiff. I, I grant it. I grant you, <laughs> but, um, but that game, <laughs> you know, uh, cause, cause let, let's be honest, like the way, the way that, the way that it was shaping up, I mean, there was, there was a pretty strong, there was a pretty strong chance that the, um, that the Steelers were going to score that touchdown mm-hmm. and get, and get the go ahead point after and win the game. Yeah. And uh and you know, but that one that one play in that one game, man, that's the, the we'll always have that for that as a return on the first round pick. And you'll say, you know, it's not enough. And I, I grant you that. But how many first round busts will would never have 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 contributed and act like a victory like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um so, so kudos to him. Now, and I say that, and great. We know that he's very athletic. You know um, that he's he's speedy, uh, and that he is he is a good athlete. We know that he's also kind of new uh, to defense and to um, you know he was raw coming out, and because uh, he was a convert and you know new to the game, new to the, new to defense. Um, you knew it was going to take some time, so it, and it has taken some time, and there there have been a lot of frustrations and, and everything. And co- and confidence is extremely important for a corner. Um, so you know, you never never, never really know, right? Mm-hmm. But hell, hell, Justin Bethel played uh, how many snaps until and in, in all the years that he's been in the, in the league? <laughs> Sixty one in the last four years. Yeah, um, and and Justin. Well, how old is Justin Bethel? Because he's not he's not young. He's thirty two years old, my friend. Yes. So he's so until until yes until yesterday he played sixty two snaps on defense, and he was thirty two years old. Hmm. So and then and then he gets his his chance to play an entire game yesterday, and uh, did pretty well with it. Um, you know, so so you never you never really want to say never, right? Right, but yeah. um, odds aren't good. <laughs> uh, well, we we should be getting healthier. Although this Byron Jones thing is just driving me crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. both driving Byron Jones crazy. <laughs> yeah, Byron Jones. The interesting thing about Byron Jones, and I guess let's give the, our listeners a little bit of news, although it's secondhand. Uh, the thing about Byron Jones is that we had the head coach Mike McDaniel on record, uh, saying, "Oh yeah, he's he's gonna be ready for Week One." Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. <laughs> you know, with yeah. great confidence. And since that Week One came and went, and there was no Byron Jones to be seen, uh, our coach has been very cagey with like injury announcements, and now now he essentially reveals nothing. But what's interesting about Byron Jones is that he's at the facility. He's he's on the sidelines. He's in defensive meetings. Like he's contributing. Like if he, it's almost like he's threatening to 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 practice and mm-hmm. return. And then he teases us by, you know, showing up at games and showing up to practice, and then nothing. Uh, it's an yeah. odd situation. Um, 
like I said, this is going to be secondhand, but you know, Big O is kind of connect, connected and he revealed on his show today that it's more about Byron Jones being ready to return than the team clearing him, you know, and which kind of, which kind of checks out with what people say about Byron Jones. He's a high level athlete, by the way. He's like, he's like a really good, and it stands to reason. Look, I don't want to go. He had some of the the best combine performances we've ever seen at that position. And guys like that, man, you know, they're not, if they feel like they're 80% or they have to tough it out, they're not going to go out there and put tape out, especially when Mm -hmm. this could be the last year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're out hunting for a new contract in the off season. You're not going to go out there if you think that you're not going to be at your best, you know. So maybe that's what's going on. Maybe he needs as much time as possible so he could get ready to play, you know. Or maybe maybe it's a Will Fuller situation. You know, we had the same frustration with Will Fuller all year, and then uh, then he put, you know, he he, he retires and uh, decides that he's going to be a video game programmer. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Wolfler almost lost a finger due to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Fingers you know. doing all right now because he's playing video games with it. <laughs> yeah, but Barry Jackson had an interesting question. Like, th- there's a lot of mystery surrounding this Byron Jones thing because, yeah, I-, I was, I yes, I understand. Listener, I saw him on the sideline jumping up and down, celebrating with the defense, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's jumping up and down. Doesn't he have like an Achilles issue? <laughs> you know. But Barry Jackson asked the coach, you know, is it the same body part? And Mike McDaniel just froze and said, it's a body part. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Maybe he had another injury on the way back. You know, who knows? Well, you know, the, I'll tell you this much, though, that, um, that, that um, you know, from McDaniel reading his language and his language and such as, and I went back and this was when, when I had kind of the, the first oh shit moment about him. About Byron Jones, not about Mike McDaniel. Um, uh, is is that Mike McDaniel said something, and I, I this was close to the quote, but it might not be the exact quote. Um, other than Byron Jones, no, no setbacks with any of the guys that are injured. That are injured. Yeah. In other words, yes, there was a setback with Byron. Now, I I think McDaniel uh, today said something along the lines of. It's not necessarily any setbacks. It's just hasn't progressed. You know, it takes its time to progress. Uh-huh. Um, but but clearly back then, whatever it was, whether it's failure to progress or setback or, you know, whatever kind of um, stupid games you want to play with the language, um, it was interpreted, perceived like a setback. Yeah. And um, and so when when you hear that with a player, I, you know, I've been I've been around watching it too long. You you know that guy is just like a, a step away from season-ending AR. Uh, IR. You know when when that happens. Yeah, we talked setback. about it on setback OnlyFans. My major injury. You know, yeah, we talked about it on OnlyFans. Um, you know, by the way, three dollars a month. You could you know check out how you how you can join on our three yards per carry Twitter account. That's the number three yards per carry. We talked about it on OnlyFans. A lot of coaches usually have like a drop dead date, and that drop date date that drop dead date is very near, which is mid season. Like a mid season, they want to know who's on the roster, who's not. You know. Mm-hmm. So I would say, look, look, this is not information. This is just an educated guess. It's week seven. 
if he is not open in the 21-day window, by the way, good news on Austin Jackson, according to the coach. Uh, he says, ah, no setbacks. Uh, you know, It's all looking hunky-dory. And remember, he's 12 days in. Uh, Barry Jackson's doing like a countdown. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Which means that, you know, uh, Austin Jackson, like, okay, like, this is not news. This is just, you know, two plus two equals four. Austin Jackson's going to be active either this week or next week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a, that's a, a definite. All right, like he's going to be on the 53. So they're going to have a decision to make then. Like, I don't know what, what Austin Jackson is going to do because, and that's going to be my final question when I ask you right now. But yeah, uh, we talked about it. Uh, drop dead date, midseason. So if Byron Jones is not in the 21 day window by week eight, which means going into the Bears game, I would say it's done. Like, I would say that that's it, that that's the year, you know, for, for Byron yeah. Jackson. Uh, I mean, Byron Johnson, but Byron Jones. Byron Jones, what, Jesus Christ! You, I've changed his name three times. Are, I, I have lost track uh, track of who we're talking about at this point. <laughs> like, and, are we talking about the lead singer of ACDC? No, I was. The, the problem was I was talking about Austin Jackson, and then you know Austin. The good news on Austin Jackson, and the bad news on Byron I think, Jones. I think Barry Jackson might have made an, made an appearance in in this conversation just now. Um, I don't. Wow, we're all over the place. All right, last question before you you give me your three stars. Um, by the way, my three stars, so you know, I I, I did it on, you know, with, with Simon. Uh, I had Andrew Van Ginkle, Jalen Phillips, Justin Buffel. Those were my three stars. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Last question. Brandon uh, Snell, the coach, if you notice, Mike McDaniel will talk, you know, with, with you know, flowery language about certain guys on the team. The obvious guys, Xavier Howard, Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. you know who they are, Waddle, Tua. Uh, Armstead, by the way, what a fucking stud to run Armstead is, man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> what a player. <laughs> wow. He may uh, not play much, but when he plays. <laughs> yeah, man. No, he's good. Like, worth every penny, all right? Uh, remember, we're getting him on a dime. Like, look at his salary and look at Trent Williams' salary. And then look at the six games that Trent Williams already missed this year, okay? So, it's, you know, it's it's there. It's right there. Uh. Brendan Snell got some flowers from the head coach today and his availability. Austin Jackson. Are you talking out- about Brandon Shell? Brandon Shell or Brandon Snell? Brandon it's Shell. It's Shell. Get some, get some glasses before you try to read that uh, that that H on the page. <laughs> Brandon Shell. Shell. Brandon Shell. Where the hell did I get? S- oh. Like I as in Snell. your eyesight, your eyesight is a shell of its former self. Yeah, I got Snell because of Benny Snell, who plays for the Steelers, and I was watching yep. rewatching the game. That's why I recall Benny Snell. Yeah, yeah Benny <laughs> Snell. He took. He I took think he played three off. snaps last night because I just saw him do a play one snap where he caught a pass and got tackled. <laughs> yeah, uh, Snell. He caught a kick. He caught a kick return, didn't he? Uh, I believe so as well. Yeah, but yeah, Brandon Shell um, played well. Got flowers from the head coach, played at right tackle. Offense looked a little different, meaning I don't know, uh, better than what what Greg Little was putting on tape the last couple of weeks. That puts Greg Little back into his better role, which is healing, so he could play left tackle or right tackle in a pinch, which mm-hmm. seems to be what he's really good at. Um, starting long term is probably not his thing. If you need him for one game, he could be fine. But Austin Jackson's coming back. But Liam Eichenberger's had two good games. Like, what's happening with Austin Jackson when he comes back? Is this Brandon Shell thing, like, you know, a longer-term thing, you think? 
or Austin Jackson just going to reclaim the spot? No, I think Austin Jackson is going to take that spot back. They, you know, keep in mind, it's it's easy to forget um, because he's been out of sight, out of mind for a little bit. Um, but you know, they had they had quite a bit invested in in this idea of him moving over to right tackle and taking the starting spot and using that athleticism, you know, in this offense. And and to give him some credit, it didn't always look great in the preseason, um, you know. But but week after week in the preseason game, uh, it was basically like a, a four game games taken in succession it was like he, he was like, okay well it wasn't really that good this week and okay it was it was a little bit better this week okay it was a little bit even better this week and then and then we get to the regular season and that was the best i've ever seen him probably mm-hmm. um so so there was there was a nice progression from week to week he was looking good um the one thing that i'll say is that you know greg little came back came in for him in that game and uh, until he himself took an injury, took a, took a, a hurt and played through it, um, he was looking, you know, somewhat even better, I thought, than than Austin Jackson. But you know, Greg Little, that's that that's his problem. He can't stay healthy, and when he's when he's trying to play, you know, banged up a little bit, banged hurt, then um, it gets real bad, you know. Uh, and and I think that that's uh, it throws him off, and he might be just that kind of player. He just he just doesn't he's not. Whereas the Toronto Armstead, you know, he digs in and finds a way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's, that might not, that just might not be Greg Little's game, but um, you mentioned it. I think it's worth noting um, Liam Eikenberg. I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sing his praises like he was a star of the game or anything like that. Um, you know, I think you, I think he had an all right game. I think that, um, that it, it is, it is interesting to me in the way that he is trending um, because clearly there was a, there was a lot of struggling in that first, those first three games. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it started to kind of even out a little bit. I thought, you know, aside from a, a, a penalty, which we we all killed him for, including we killed him on the show for it. Um, but, you know, there he, he was all right last week and he was just, he's kind of all, all right this week. I mean, he, when he, when he looks all right, it's actually it's it's actually because he looks like he gets it in zone in the, the, the zone scheme. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of his background too. It's easy to forget sometimes. He's playing a completely new position. Like he's moved inside. Last year he didn't do that. Um, he was supposed to, you know, or like when he came out of college, everybody was like, you know, yeah, we don't think this guy can necessarily play tackle, but he can. He might be a pretty good guard. Um, we're saying that, but he he hadn't really played that. And then he wasn't given the opportunity to do it as a rookie, and and now he's doing it this year. And so, God forbid, there might be a learning curve. I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, everybody's just going to be like, no, nah, no, nah, he's just crap and we're just, we're just going to replace him. And, yeah, that may ultimately be his fate. I don't know. Um, but I, I do think the second half of the season for him is going to look better than the first half of the season. Could we could we at least agree on that, you know, yeah. um, for a 24-year-old guy who's playing the position for the first time? Uh, and, you know, and it is a new offense, new jargon, new, you know, things to key on, things to adjust to uh, on the fly, stuff like that. You know, it's, these drastic moves in their head, these, you know, these on paper fantasy type moves. They want to put Austin Jackson at left guard and, and you know, and try and figure out the right tackle position otherwise and get Liam Eikenberg off the field at all costs. They want to move Connor Williams back to left guard and get Michael Dieter on the field as a center. And then, you know, just all this. All this drastic 
disruptive stuff. And sometimes the hardest thing to do and the most, you know, the, the biggest payoff is to just be a little patient and let unripened fruit mature a little. And, and that's what this situation strikes me with, uh, with Liam Eikenberg. It's not, again, I'm not, I'm not saying he is a staple at left guard for the next 10 years. Who knows? Miami might move on from him, but I do think the second half of the year is going to be better than the first half. And all this disruptive stuff that people are trying to do, like Connor, Connor Williams was phenomenal at center yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give that up. You know, nope. I don't want to give that up. Um, and and the right tackle position, as we've seen, you know, for as much as we're singing uh, praises for Brandon Shell, you know, at different points we've sang praises for Austin Jackson and for Greg Little and Brandon Shell, and yet yet we're we're stuck in the uh, the Shell game at right tackle. See what <laughs> yeah. I'm doing there. Yeah, um, and, 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 yeah, and Brandon Shell's uh, he's 30 years old. He was drafted in the fifth round. You know, yeah, yeah so six years ago, he's a good pro. He's not, not, he's not the like, future. Let's not act like that's been a position of strength for this team either. Mm. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not into the, to the, to the disruptions. I'm, I, I want to, you know, let things mature because sometimes that's the harder thing to do. And, um, and for those of us that don't have patience, we're, we're just going to get whipsawed by all these moves that we keep trying to make sometimes. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think that the, it's going to be interesting going forward to see if he kind of levels out. Um, again, you might, you might replace him in the off season. I'm just, I'm just saying, what do we do right now? Well, maybe right now we just kind of let it play out. Um, but you know, as for, yeah, as, as for the offensive line, the running backs. Actually, you know, Simon, or, or I don't know if Simon mentioned it or uh, or if you you talked about it earlier. Um, I'm surprised we haven't talked about Ben Stilley yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Because he made an appearance. Huh? Uh, he was in the game for nine snaps, and you know what? When he yeah. was in the game, my eye found him. Yeah, and not just because I was looking. You know, can I admit something? I saw 90 and I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Well, at first you're like, is that is that Zach Sealer? No, wait, it's a 90, not a 92. When I saw 90, I was like, Trey Flowers came back. And then I started thinking, no, no, Trey Flowers is 93 and he's an IR. Yeah. yeah who the hell is 90? <laughs> yeah. And but what he did is this is this is what he what he does. He's he's a very strong, he's strong as an ox. He's big. And strong as an ox, and um, and he's he's got some athleticism to him, and and he could, I mean, in this scheme, I mean, you got to bully around the the guys, the, the the offensive lineman in front of you, and he's kind of a bully, um, and yeah. that's uh, that's kind of what he how he looked. He he had a he had a good game, um, but you know, so many pieces actually had a good good game defensively though, and um, I don't know who Simon picked out for his three players, but. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of good going on in defensively and and a little bit offensively too, and um, so you know give them some credit. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Brandon Shell. Do uh, you know who's related to? Right. I mean, you you just you just had his name at Snell a minute ago, so I was going to say who's he, he's not related to Benny Snell because his name isn't actually <laughs> Snell. Um. But but yeah, I, I have no idea who is he related to. He is related. His great uncle is Hall of Famer Art Shell. You didn't had... even know his name was Shell a minute ago. <laughs> now you know that he's Art Shell's like great great grand nephew. 
Yes, he's his great uncle, Art Shell, Hall of Famer Art Shell, and one of the most underrated head coaches of all time, Art Shell. All that guy did was win and then got fired. <laughs> I am you know, I because am, Al I Davis am, is gonna Al Davis. You know what I mean? I am stunned by this turnaround. One a minute ago, you didn't even know his name. And now he's related to football royalty. You see how that and works? Now he's, and now and now you have revealed that he's like that he's like secret royal lineage and uh and uh yeah, I don't on know. the podcast. Yeah, we gotta talk about the pivot. Talk about talk about great pedigree. Like you can't get better pedigree than a Hall of Fame tackle. Okay. It's art shell, people. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? I think he's still uh, I hope he's not dead. Cause I might have to cut this out of <laughs> Of the podcast, our show's alive, right? He's still with us. I hope. Is he? Uh, I'm looking. Art Shell. You know, there's there's a great there's a great website. It's literally called livingordead.com. He's still alive. 75. 75 <laughs> years young. Way to go, Art. 75 years young. All right. Make sure make sure to book bookmark that website, livingordead.com. <laughs> okay. Way to go, Art Shell. All right. Way to right. go for being alive. Uh, coaching record not as good as I, I I expected, but he had you know he he went deep into the playoffs. He was fifty six and fifty two, so not great, but yeah. you know, uh, lost uh, in AFC Championship game, wild card game, lost in the divisional game. Not a bad playoff record, two and three. Played in five play, had five playoff games as a head coach. Uh, other Raider coaches did war much worse. All right, Chris, uh, give me your three stars of the game. Okay, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the beaten path from the because naturally we're just all defense. I mean, and and you do have to. First well, off, I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw uh, um, Mike McDaniel's post game uh, speech to the team, but he they showed him giving up the the game balls. Mike McDaniel is as transparent as cellophane. Okay, because <laughs> he gave out four game balls. You saw who he gave his game balls to. I did not. But Four I probably, defensive yes. players. Was that a message sent to the offense? Like, hey, you guys suck today. Okay. Yeah. No, and we're practicing yeah. on Tuesday. Because he goes, look, well, remember I got four when, game remember balls. When he said, remember when he outright said that this is a defensive team. Until proven otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he got up in front of the team, and he was like, ah, oh, you know, these are the kind of wins. You know, all the boilerplate coach stuff, right? And mm-hmm. then he goes, all right, I got four game balls. And then he goes, Gink, you get one. And Van Ginkle, of course. Mm-hmm. And he gave one to Holland. Yeah, he yeah, went to Justin Bethel, and he gave one yeah. to uh, Jalen Phillips, and then he goes, "Finally, let's give an extra one." No Benogany, and the team went. Oh, of course, the, the ceremonial game ball for making one play in the game, um, <laughs> yes. in the most important, in the most important moment. Um, but yeah, yeah so, so I, I, I do, you know, first off, yeah, Javon Holland was that was an elite game. We've been yes. waiting for elite games, right? You know, yes. like we know that he can be an elite player. Um, but uh, this was the the amount the leadership he showed at the the right moment. You know, with that, this is the kind of that that was the kind of play. It just it's it's chills almost. You know, like mm-hmm. if, if you think about some of the players that we've seen over the years, how they they used to make those plays at those moments um, at the safety position. Uh, that was that was elite. So I will give. I'll start off on defense by saying, you know, that was an elite level performance. Um, you know, I'm not going to give it to uh, I'm not going to give it to Jalen Phillips necessarily. I mean, though he though he had a good game. I mean, a lot of player, players had a good game. Van Ginkle, as you said, had a good game. Ingram had a good game. Baker had a good game. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good games there. But but how about Duke Riley, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is this is the a backup linebacker for us, and and the guy was, you know, the guy is all over the place. He's been a hell, he's been a hell of a signing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of signing that that really really makes a difference uh, for your team. Uh, if if we do make a run, you know, he's going to be an integral part of it um, going forward. I think that that's so that those are the two guys that I would give on defense. On offense, though, I am going to give it to some guy, buddy on offense, even though we were mostly frustrated. And that's going to be Raheem Mostert because mm-hmm. low-key, secretly, he has he has be- come back to be the player that he was. Yes. And he has been a really good – you know, this is – we know that the blocking is not there for this team yet, mm-hmm. right? the run blocking is not that the system hasn't taken the, you know, uh, all, all, all things, all things that you can say. And yet the dude is averaging four and a half yards of carry. Uh, he does things, you know, with the, by catching the ball and making plays. Um, we saw with the touchdown, you know, as that, as the outlet player for Tua, um, he's, he blocks, you know, uh, and, mm-hmm. and he's, he's a smart ass player. He is a really smart player. Um, and I think that, I think it's, it's, it's just so low key that it's like, you know what? He's not going to be able to take 25 carries a game. Right. Um, we know that that's fine, but he is taking like 15 to 18 or touches a game, uh, or somewhere around there. Um, I believe he had 21 this last game. Yeah. He had, he had. Yeah, well, he had twenty touches, like okay. total. You know, um, he had it was uh, it was twenty two tar. You know, including the targets because um, he didn't catch all the balls. But I mean, like he, he is he is getting there and doing really well with it. And he's just like this could lit- this could legit be his best season as a pro. Like this has a chance of being. I mean, we're we're still young in the season, and we're kind of finding out that Chase Edmonds isn't all the way there, you know, and uh, and that that the the options that we have behind those two, with Miles Gaskin, Savan Ahmed, um, Zaquander White was just summarily dismissed from the practice squad for whatever reason, um, <laughs> you know, the options that we have behind them are not good, and Chase Edmonds is all, isn't all the way there, which means what? Which means Raheem Mostert getting leaned on. And so this has a chance to be his best year as a pro, as good a year as he had the year they went to the Super Bowl, you know? Um, and so I think that uh, in this game, I, I first it's been building, but this game kind of sealed it for me. This was his best game that he had and uh, with us so far. And I think that there's going to be a lot more good ones to come. And, uh, and so I'm going to give, I'm going to give one to him because I think that that's a, this has become a revelation, and um, and I think that it's an important one for the Dolphins. Yeah, well, what the team is obviously lacking when you watch them play is that 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 second punch. You know, when you had the one-two punch, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have a one-two punch if you just have a one punch. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like you you would like to keep Mostert on that carry count. You know, fifteen. You know, maybe even plot him out. You know, uh, maybe try to get him to the fourth quarter with you know, 10 carries. So if you have to lean on him, you can, you know, but I do believe in that. I, I believe in the carry count. Cause I, I think that, 
You know, uh, I think uh, a running back in the NFL is is like having a full tank of gas with no money to refill it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, yeah, know what I'm you know what I'm yeah, saying? It's, yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, if, if you, you run you out match- of gas in the divisional round, it's over. Like, you know, you're stranded. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to, you know, have somebody lend you money to put gas in your car. You know, it, you know, and I, I would love to keep Raheem Mostert on that carry count for the rest of the year. Well, and that's and that where do they get that where do they get that second that second punch? Um, because you know we're we'll talk we'll talk some other time about the trade deadlines and such, but um, you know the the San Francisco 49ers just uh, displaced a lot by acquiring Christian McCaffrey. So what happens to Elijah Mitchell? What happens to Jeff Wilson? You know, obviously yeah. guys that can eat both play in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's something to consider. All right. All right. That's going to be it. The next time that we talk to you, we'll be talking Detroit Lions. Dolphins go on the road for two in the Midwest. Uh, Hopefully they come back with two wins. But first, we'll talk about the Lions later on this week. That's it. There is no more. Talk to you later this week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. 